Welcome to the Urban Echo Podcast, an exploration into sound and its relationship to stress in cities through the lens of design. My name is Oscar Schreck. My guests today are Diana Arazo garcia and Bill Buchan, who, with his wife Mary, started Sonic Architecture over 30 years ago, the mission of creating engaging sonic environments within cities. Their works encourage play, collaboration, and provides percussion. Diana Razo garcia is a master's in architecture at the Parsons School of Design, whose thesis is focused on designing a sonic intervention for New York's Chinatown, specifically under the Manhattan Bridge. Both engage in sound in cities through the medium of architecture and create public spaces that incorporate sound. My name is um, Diana. I'm from Ecuador. I'm an MARC graduate student at Parsons, and this is my final year. I'm doing my thesis about urban sound. And how did you get into architecture? Architecture was with me since I was basically born because my family is full of architects, my mom, my dad, my brother. So there was no escape. <laughs> wow. So you're really surrounded by it. <laughs> yes. Before, for me, architecture was only about construction. But now that I've like studied and understand it, I know that it's more than that. It's more, it's all about, it's about design and it's about creating spaces for people to use and to feel comfortable and and also at the, and at the same time, like mm, respecting what it's there already and how can you work with the context you have so that you don't intervene in the wrong way. You know, I think it's important to know how things are already done so that you can improve on what's there and work with that. That's sort of a good transition into talking about your thesis that you're working on right now, which is about sound in cities. And so how how did that become attractive to you or how did you discover urban sound design? During my thesis preparation, I was interested on how architecture affects us emotionally and physically. How can we create spaces for us to really engage in like spiritual way and mentally. So I started with that. And as I started to develop my thesis, I came up with the sound idea because as I walked through New York City and in general, in every city, I would say sound and noise are always present and, and you just live surrounded by it. And how can we use sound to to inform our design and make it part of what sounds we do? Sounds typically brought up in architecture school. Mm, well, not not really. I would say that maybe it's more into interior design. It's not the first thing you would think about. It's something that it's comes. It's such later. an interesting way to start your project. And so, can you tell us where you're at in the process with it right now, and kind of what? what the process doing with sound design in cities has been like for you? The way I started was by figuring out my site. The place where I want to put my project is under the Manhattan Bridge on the Manhattan side. It's next to Chinatown. It's 
where Canal Street meets with the Manhattan Bridge. I was looking for a site that there is something that I can do with it. So I was walking on this village trying to find this place, an architecture that is known as the Flaneur. I started hearing this sound. I saw the a market on the street with the trucks. There were vegetables, fruits everywhere and people buying there. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. So I just kept walking under the bridge. And it was kind of scary at first because it was the first time I had been there. And usually there is this stereotype of what happens under bridges. And it was so different to what you're usually used to. But then you just keep walking and it's a different reality, something you you wouldn't really think of. And that's something I talk about in my thesis. And can you go more into that, explain the kind of new reality you discovered? The sound of the train. It was deafening. It was like so, so loud. And all the time I was thinking like, how can people live here? And through some research, found out that urban silence right now is considered a commodity here in the United States. And neighborhoods with lower socioeconomic status are the ones who suffer most, like the authorities don't care about how the sound actually affects them. Because if you, for example, take out the bridge from that neighborhood, it's fine. And, and maybe if the bridge was still there and many of the people I've talked to that have lived next to bridges, they say that they get used to the sound because it's just a humming constant sound of cars coming by. But the moment you add the train, the subway, that's when, when it becomes louder. And, and that was the part that was, that's the part where I'm working with now. And my project now, it, it's not dampening the sound. It's not minimizing the sound. It's working with the sound that it's already there. And sometimes it's dampening it, but sometimes it's making it louder. Sometimes it's registering sound. And sometimes it amplifies it to create different effects. So, so it's, it's adaptive not, architecture, kind of? Yeah, kind of. So the way I, I design it is as this envelope that wraps around the bridge. It's not hermetic. It's open in different places, but the places where it opens is strategic places where I've created different moments. Uh-huh. Like there is this plaza where where the this surface that I created unfolds from the bridge. And it under the bridge, it's creating an amphitheater so that if there is performances or events, the sound gets amplified. And it also acts as a water recollection. So even when it's rainy, the water falls wow. and sinks the plaza because it's the plaza is below street level. So the, the plaza is able to get flooded, but without flooding the rest of the buildings because as a resilient measure. But at the same time, when it's raining, maybe you can also, sound of the rain, it's amplified and you can hear it as a waterfall that you wouldn't usually listen in. I know last time we had talked, you had talked about like a community center of some kind or some kind of public community spaces, but I mean, this is just kind of taking it to a whole nother level. (laughs) 
something that I learned from my research was that this neighborhood also during Hurricane Sandy was by the water level rise. So that's why I also took and incorporated the water part as, as part of creating sound and amplifying it, but at the same time uh, as a resilient measure to redirect water and, and be able to control how much water runs off and try to protect the buildings around. And, and at the same time, uh, at the end of the scheme that is wrapping around, there's also like this hydraulic turbine that when the water crashes with the skin, it creates energy. Uh, so it illuminates the skin, but at the same time, if in case of an emergency, the neighborhood could get light. But when you're there in that part of the bridge, when the skin is touching the East River, you can also hear the water flowing through the screen and also crashing to the screen. So it also becomes a performative moment of, of water. And sort of bringing the sound of nature into the city. Yeah. So even though the train is still there because I'm not removing the train from the bridge, something that I realized when you're on that bridge walking is that you stop caring about the sound of the bridge. You don't care about the sound of the train. You start caring about what you can see. So you actually you're, you have the best view of the Manhattan skyline. You have the view of the river, Brooklyn, uh, the neighborhood that it's there. And now it also has this part of like water, more like a composition of experience. What are some of the challenges you've encountered with the project? Some of the project was to actually define what are the sounds I want to hear. And that was a question that every time in my reviews came because yes, I was talking about how the sound of the bridge was so loud, but the question always was, we all know that the sound of the bridge is really loud, but what do you want to do about it? What are you going to do if you can remove the train from there? And I think that was the part. How can you really, without creating another instrument, how can you work with the sound that it's already there? The challenge, that was the part that I didn't really know how to go about until I started developing the design. And then you talk I about changed. kind of defining which sounds you wanted to keep. What was that like exploring the morality of different sounds or how did that experience go for you? Because you can define the train sound as bad, but then if you're designing sound in the city, it's so hard because there are so many different types of sounds. And then one of the challenges I found with this project is it's hard to put moral markers on different sounds because they mean different things to different people. And I wonder if you ran across that challenge also. Something that a professor told me on one of my reviews, you can't make judgments of what it's good or what it's bad just because you like it or you don't like it. That was one of the challenges because many people said it's so loud and it's such a bad sound of the train. But then as I started talking with more people, more people just started telling me, well, yes, it's bad, but you get used to it. There was this part of like, I think there was this view as an outsider and as someone who lives there. So there wasn't like a really right answer of which one was a good sound or not. But how I tried to define it was more like, maybe it's not about defining which sound is bad or which sound is 
good, but maybe we want to amplify certain sounds in certain parts. There is a market under the bridge, so it's more important to amplify the sound of the people so that people know what it's getting told under the bridge. Because maybe there is people announcing that they are selling fruit or things like that. So that's more important than hearing to the bridge. And then as you move further, there's a part that it's really open. If there's a lot of sound, it doesn't really matter how it affects the neighborhood because it's so open, no one lives there. So you can open the screen and let the sound go and flow as it would normally go. But when there is a residential building where people leave, maybe you want to make a barrier, create this barrier where you prevent sound so from going Your structure in. is modulated for these different areas on the project. I do wonder, though, I know transportation is a big contributor to sound pollution in cities. And I was curious what your thoughts on with the current COVID-19 stay-at-home orders is this still a valid concern? And do we think this will still be a concern after COVID-19? I would say so. Like people are going to be at home most of the time. So maybe the cities are becoming quieter, but I'm still listening to the ambulances and the police cars. The train is is running still, even though the amount of passengers have reduced. I've been thinking about this The last two questions are more speculative and they just like hearing what people have thoughts on and because it's so unknown right now i live in here in manhattan and new york so usually my neighborhood where i'm living right now it's chelsea 8th avenue there is a lot of people all the time here and now with all this situation the streets are empty but seven you know it's seven because people go outside to their windows and start making noise for the medical service that is going on, you know? So it's all, it's interesting. Like there's there's a relationship with sound and, and I think people miss the sound and miss when it's noisy. Maybe it's not the best acoustic quality, but at least with sound you know there's people there, you know? There is it's not that you're not you're not alone. Maybe you can't see them. Maybe you can't really feel them, but you can listen to them, and that makes you feel that you're not alone. So I think sound is always going to be part of, of all of this That brings situation. me to my next question of, if you were designing a utopian city from scratch with little to no restrictions, what would it sound like for you? I think New York has the mix of sounds, the train, the people, you have the bars, and depending on which neighborhood you are, the sound changes. In a utopian place, there should be a way to make ambulances and police cars less noisy with, you know, I think that's the only thing that bothers me. And then it would be nice, more trees, actually being able to listen to the birds sing or the, to the crickets and things like that. But for example, something that now makes me nervous since we've been ordering groceries and things like that, it's like the the sound of the bell. And I'm like, oh no, I have to go and take stuff because I'm scared of what it is. The virus is there. Before the bell was, okay, someone arrived or whatever, but now it's more like, okay, my food is here, but now I have to clean everything and 
be sure everything is sanitized before I bring it inside. I think we all have home. those fears right now. So my very last question is what kind of sounds are you most drawn to in cities now and why are these so important? Or I mean generally, like before COVID. I've been always drawn to music because of where I come from. So you could always listen music on the streets from the cars or from the stores because they were promoting something. So the relationship with music has always been there. But I think another sound that I would relate, even though I've been complaining about it with you right now, is the ambulances and the police cars. Because at the end, they alert you, they make you alert that something is going on or that something happens. And it makes you pay more attention to to what you're doing in that, that makes moment. Sense. I, I think it's so interesting to the sounds different countries choose for their sirens because they're very evocative sounds and they make you think of either like movies or just moments when you were a child and i feel like the american siren is very distinct like compared to something in europe or around somewhere else around the world i just remember being in france and hearing a siren and it was different but having the same association with that sound must be interesting for that for the people there Something that I told you was when my brother came to visit from Ecuador, I had already been used to the sirens and everything. He, he wasn't, so he was noticing every, every siren that sounded close to my apartment. And he was like, how can you live here? And I was like, uh, well, I don't notice them anymore. And eventually he has stopped noticing the sirens. He didn't pay attention to them anymore because he got used to them, I think. It's just people get adapt to it and learn to ignore or listen to what they want to. That was Diana Razo Garcia, a graduating master's student in architecture at the Parsons School for Design. My next guest is Bill Buchan of Sonic Architecture. Sonic Architecture designs public art installations and interactive sound sculptures for parks, schools, science centers, transit museums, children's museums, and playgrounds around the world. How did your firm, Sonic Architecture, come to exist? Why was it so radical at the time? Sonic Architecture started in the early 90s when we did projects for the New York State School Construction Authority. By doing public art, we gained more recognition and I wanted a good name for it. So I combined my work as a musician and architecture and created Sonic Architecture. What's your opinion on the importance of creating sonic landscapes within cities and why? We really want to create places for play and to create music where you can combine the two. We think it's political. The act of music is creative and it's empowering. Instead of purchasing music or purchasing art, you can create music and create your own theater and How might this affect we soundscapes drum in sites public around spaces? the world, found in Africa, South America, If you're designing and a Asia, utopian city space and saw that scratch, by creating a with little to no restrictions, to music, what would it sound like? It'd be a nice gathering spot are there aspects of your home soundscape concerts? that you notice more now? What is an important aspect of your work? What are the types of sounds you're most drawn to in cities? What ways do you achieve and why are these important in space? Play and music are almost the same thing. You play music... You move, you dance, it's all the same thing to me. So the aspect of play and music was always very important. The fact I play percussion and love the world's music 
helped us design a lot of different drums we wouldn't have thought of otherwise. Also, a lot of research into African culture where they had earth bows and earth drums was also very interesting. I always liked the shape of instruments and went to the Metropolitan Museum many, many times looking at the instrument collection, trying to get ideas and to study the forms and archetypal shapes. How do your skills and experiences as a musician affect your design work? How can other designers think more like musicians, and why is this important? People that don't necessarily play music are attracted to our work because it looks so sculptural. Our drum tables and seats are also seats and tables, oddly enough. So when they sit and have their lunch, afterwards they might tap and play. So we're interested in the engagement of non-musicians and people that wouldn't normally play drums to explore and discover what's there. What aspects of the soundscape of COVID-19 and the corresponding stay-at-home period will persist after the stay-at-home regulations are lifted? As far as COVID-19, it's only been a month. I can't really discuss that. The effect it's having, I know the city is so much quieter, but in retrospect, the sound is taken up by ambulances. So that's not really an improvement. I used to love the sound of New York City, the sound of the ice cream guys, sneakers, basketballs being dribbled. It was all drums to me. Thank you for listening to the Urban Echo Podcast. My name is Oscar Schreg. I'd like to thank our guests, Bill Buchan and Diana Rosa Garcia. I'd like to thank Rose Pember and Shane Carter for advising on the project, and credit Dan Yap for our intro music. Please find us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, and don't forget to subscribe. Thank you.